Well, you know, you're listening to Talk Rope Nation. You might know I'm Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, and we're glad you're with us. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Welcome to Top Rope Nation. In my opinion, your source for the best in weekly professional wrestling talk. My name's Ryan Drosty. I'm here with Justin Joint, Kyle Ross, and we've made it back safely from the Windy City. We're back from AEW All Out in the confines of our own home now to little do a little podcasting, guys. The last time we did this, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. We were at the Hyatt in Hoffman Estates. Uh, we had our guy Brian filming us on his cell phone. Turned out to be a pretty good show, though, man. We scrapped it together. It's late at night. We did it. I think if you guys haven't heard the show, check it out uh, in the archives. Of course, we were live at AEW All Out on Sunday night. Hell of a broadcast. Kyle, the next day, you went up to Milwaukee, took in a, uh, a baseball game. You've got quite a streak going when it comes to going to these baseball games, don't you? <laughs> Last two times I've attended a major league baseball game, home team's been outscored a combined 29 nil. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unfreaking believable. Not good, You're... but hey, we hey, we doubled or nothing the brew crew the next day. They won 10 <laughs> nothing, paid them back, the Phils. Uh by the way, if you are ever in Milwaukee, not just you two, but anyone listening to this pod, and Brian will love this. I know he's listening just to make sure I, I said this. There is a Days in, I believe, on North 6th Street. Okay. Do not book this hotel ever. The <laughs> I, I am not lying. The shittiest single hotel I have ever had the misfortune oh of God. setting a foot in in 41 years of Planet Earth. We, after about 15 minutes, turned around, didn't even get in the room. That's how bad the f- impression was. So you're saying that our Hyatt, with the very, very bad internet Wi-Fi, otherwise very nice hotel, was much better. Much Let better. Tell, this was, you know, on the uh, the premier travel websites compared to this thing in Milwaukee. Okay, I mean that went the Hyatt. My God, I, that might have been the Taj Mahal as far as I'm concerned compared to this freaking shithole. So we didn't even make it to the room. We're in the elevator, and the elevator was acting janky. We get up to like this fourth floor. It wouldn't stop at the floor that he gave us a reservation on. Uh, There was also a note in the lobby that says, if you own a Kia or Hyundai and it's stolen, we're not responsible for that. So I was like feeling bad the minute I walked in. I'm like, Brian, I don't like this place. We booked it on the fly. I told you guys we didn't have a hotel set for Milwaukee. So we're sitting at the game. We're drinking. He's like, days. I'm like, days in. That sounds whatever. Go for it. So we get there. Neighborhood was questionable. Lobby was questionable. Elevator's questionable. I said, Brian, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. <laughs> so we went back downstairs, looked at the guy, said, we ain't staying here. He's like, well, how was the room? I said, don't know. Didn't look. <laughs> wow. Brian, he's a you know a proud veteran of this country. He'll get his money yes, back. Yes, he is. I'm sure already has. But, uh, yeah, no, we stayed. Some were far more reputable, and it was much better. But, yeah. The days Some, in. North of the High, caliber. I think it is. The, the reviews. We went back and checked the reviews on, like, TripAdvisor. Uh-huh. I don't think there has been anything uh, to receive 
a more consensus, horrible reviews than this hotel. I mean, <laughs> the reviews of WrestleMania nine look positive compared oh my to what God. this hotel got. I mean, just the absolute drizzling shits. <laughs> how how amazing would have it been if the elevator door opened and I would have been standing there? Yes, as this happened in Chicago nonstop that weekend. You guys had some fun together. Kept fun. Oh, Wait, this isn't the first floor? Nope, it's not the first floor. Coming up to see us? No, I was going downstairs. Well, you're on the sixth floor. Hey, man, Justin and I, when we were driving home from Chicago on um, Monday, we were checking the score. I'm, I'm, I'm driving. I'm asking Justin for updates of this baseball game that you guys are at. And man, it got ugly, but we made it home safely. Justin, how you doing? Week's almost I'm, up. I am terrific. <laughs> Ready Absolutely to talk some programs. Hell yeah! Still coming so, off the uh, still coming off the high from Sunday night. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching it, which I haven't had a chance to do yet. But yeah, you know, thank God some tape trading nerd saved professional wrestling. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, man? We were listening to uh, Tony Khan on the Way of the Blade po- podcast on the way home. Great interview. Excellent. Check it out yeah. if you if you haven't uh, listened to it, but. <laughs> I do see we yeah go ahead Kyle. I was gonna just say I wanted to add before I forgot he talked about the last time we were all together in front of the microphones we were in the hotel room right after all out that was also after I uh, made sure that all the other podcasters who were in the arena that night could not get transportation back to their hotel so we could be first. <laughs> I canceled all the transportation. That Did was you read about that after the fact after all out? Apparently Ubers don't go out to the uh, the now arena after a show and yeah like all all these people were getting stranded. Andrew Zarian was pinging my phone uh, during our podcast recording like looking for a ride. I felt so bad because we got out of there quick. We found kind of a a back way out of the of the parking lot again brian got us out of there quick got us back to the hotel i think we put out probably the first post show of anyone that was at the arena so yeah it was a really good time um again check it out in the archives if you didn't hear it but uh, we had we had a great time in chicago but we're here to talk about everything that's happened in the pro wrestling world since and uh what is on the horizon and uh i mean guys what a massive week for aew you know they they come off arguably the best pay-per-view of all time and you know we didn't really check to see what people were saying about the show after the fact because we we recorded right away but we were saying on the podcast this could be up there as one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time and then you look at the reviews after the fact and that's what people are saying i mean the, the most respected analysts of all time say it's right up there and that's how i felt walking out of the now arena that night so yeah it was uh i feel i feel lucky to have been there kyle did you have something no, yeah, it was great. That was just a bit. I mean, it was the best wrestling show I've ever attended live. I can tell you that much. <laughs> we have some people checking in in the chat tonight. So, guys, if you have any thoughts as we're going on the show, we are streaming live on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitch. We're on Twitter. Leave us a chat. Let us know what you think of the topics that we are discussing. We'll get you involved in the show. We've got uh, Greg checking in. Greg likes the intro, the retro intro I got playing as the show goes on the air here. Uh, our guy Frank from PWE PW Torch checking in, watching Easy some football to tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Frank Pettiani checking in. Pro Wrestling Torch out in New York, and uh, he's at a bar drinking and watching football. But he couldn't help but open up that cell phone and check out the live broadcast of Top Rope Nation. Appreciate that, Hi, Frank. So, uh, hey guys. So before we get into it, of course, as I always say, the best way to help out Top Rope Nation and and help us reach new listeners is to subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. And if you're here on YouTube, we've been really trying to get our YouTube channel growing. Uh, The best thing you can do 
please subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening on the podcast feeds, look us up on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Um, the more subscribers we get, the more features we can unlock on YouTube. And we would like to do that. So help us out. And we've got a lot of great stuff. I mentioned our, our live show we did in the hotel room the other night in Chicago. Video of that is now up on the Top Rope Nation YouTube. So even if you heard the podcast version, you want to check out the video. It's only the second time all three of us have been in the same place at the same time doing a podcast. It was a lot of fun. And I got a vlog dropping in the next few days of our trip to Chicago. Be only on that YouTube channel. So... We're going to start off the bat here with the AEW Dynamite viewership from last night. And holy hell, they finally did it, guys. Dynamite beat this week's Raw in the coveted 18 to 49 age group demographic, both in the male and female demo, as well as even more so in the all male 18 to 49 demographic. Uh, I believe the ratings were identical, but AEW's viewership figure in the demo was slightly higher. The show did a did 1.319 million viewers. I believe that's the second highest they've done ever and the highest since the debut episode back mm -hmm. in 2019. So you look at this show, they got Brian Danielson on Dynamite for the first time following his debut at All Out. They got Adam Cole on the show for the first time since his debut. Same thing for Ruby Soho. They had CM Punk on the show. Uh, Justin Joint, what did you think of AEW Dynamite and what do you think of this news? Love it. Love both of them. Um, this show was uh, pretty promo heavy, but I was okay with that coming off of All Out and kind of wanting to probably get, you know, those big three guys on the show. Mm -hmm. And the rating is great. You know, I you guys know me. I'm not as big into the ratings as you, but, you know, my one hope is that this isn't a one-time thing, um, that they yeah. can keep this uh, ball rolling. Kyle, your thoughts when you heard the news today? I actually wasn't surprised. Given the buzz coming off the pay-per-view, you had to figure there was a jump. I saw Alan Cheapshot on Twitter beforehand throw out the 1.3 number. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right, what they should do overall. Um, I think um, psychologically beating Raw in that demo is the bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And Justin talked about moving forward because he's absolutely right. Just one rating. What does that mean? You know, they've got to maintain it and hopefully grow. And what starts next week, by the way? Monday Night oh, Football. Monday Night Football. Yeah, are you ready for some football? So it's going to be interesting how much that cuts into Raw's total viewership. I know that there's been some discourse online today that eh, maybe it's not going to be a ton. There was a college football game on Monday. Now, it wasn't a big-time college game. Louisville and Ole Miss, kind of a big game, but it's not as big as an NFL game. You got to think another 10% at least is going to get chopped off. It feels like an NFL I'm, game. I don't have the data to back this up at, the, at my fingertips, but it feels like, you know, since the raw viewership has been dwindling over the last several years, that the effect of football has obviously gotten less and less because you're really getting down to the hardcore wrestling fans that are actually watching three hours of Monday Night Raw that's, on Monday night. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to have an effect. Not as much as it would have a, a few years back, but for AEW, you're right, Kyle. I mean, like the psychological effect to do this before Monday Night Football happened. You know, uh, Dynamite has beat Raw's demos before, uh, but not in the same week. You know, they've done like a demo rating one week where it was like bigger than the rating the week before. 
which you know yeah. had us thinking this was going to happen soon because they've done it not week to not week to week but they've done you know higher ratings than raw has done and this week head to head they finally did it it's massive man absolutely massive if monday night football does cut in to the rating couple hundred thousand mm-hmm. okay let's say just hypothetically throw it out Raw falls to closer to 1.5 two weeks from now. If you're Tony Khan, do you hot shot something in an effort to beat them in overall viewership? If that's a possibility. I think they're already going to be doing I mean, that's the Arthur Ashe show, right? Two weeks. Yes. So I mean, you also want to build, I mean, maybe not hot shot. I mean, do you just load, I mean, you've got to load that show up, don't you, in yeah. two weeks? I mean, you think... Mm-hmm. If if they lose like two hundred thousand and you grow, and the overall numbers start to get neck and neck, I mean, you talk psychological warfare. I mean, that's a real big deal. I mean, as much as the demo is the coveted thing, I think it would be a real kick in the teeth to WWE if more overall people watch that show, watch yeah. Dynamite. They're all you. You can see they've already started building that uh, Arthur Ashe show with bringing Cody Rhodes back to face Malachi Black, but. <laughs> I don't think you want to do too much reactionary stuff to to boost a rating. Um, I think that's where you could start maybe getting in trouble. Obviously, what they are doing for the past you know two three months is working. Um, so I say stay the course. Although it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Omega versus uh, Brian Danielson at the Arthur Ashe show. Wow. Okay. Ooh. That's I don't know if I, I would hold that for the papers. By the way, interesting thing with AEW. There was a pretty long gap when you think about it between double or nothing and all out. Like mm-hmm. it was three months in between. There's yeah. only eight weeks we have till full gear. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems it seems like that's kind of the same thing with uh, Revolution to double or nothing too. I don't think that's all that long of a time span. I mean, that's late. Yeah, it's a it's a little longer than eight weeks, is right? Because it? okay. it's like late February to late May. This is early September to mid November. Mm-hmm. So I feel that this has got to be the shortest gap between AEW pay-per-views. By the way, we should also mention, talk about pay-per-views, they did their biggest number on Sunday ever on pay-per-view. We don't know what the exact number is yet as we're recording this, but Meltzer is all but confirmed. Um, it is their biggest number of all time. It will be the biggest uh, non-WWE pay-per-view number since 1999, WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my recommendation for Arthur Ashe is doing like a big multi-person match with Daniel Bryan, uh, pardon me, Brian Danielson. How many times are we going to do that uh, <laughs> in it? Like against yeah, someone, the elite. Yeah, someone threw that out, I think, in our Facebook group. It might have been Tim. Uh, I think he suggested like a six-man where he did maybe Brian, even Brian Punk, and I think he threw out Hangman Page, but I don't know how long Hangman Page, Page is yeah, off for. He's going to be back. Uh, but I mean, that hey, that would be a huge match if they yeah. could do that, obviously. But I mean, it's going to be their biggest live attendance ever. It's going to be a massive show. They're, I'm sure they got something in their back pocket for that. And you're looking at this company where it, you would only expect their momentum to keep growing. You know, like I've talked to some wrestling fans that don't watch a lot of AEW, but they still tune into WWE. And these have been people that have been kind of resistant to watching AEW, believe it or not. And this is something maybe we'll get into here in a little bit with uh, the fan bases, uh, but they're starting to get curious. And I think, you know, as the weeks go on and they hear about more about what Adam Cole's doing and more about what Brian Danielson is doing, you that you would think that this company is just going to keep growing and growing and moving in that direction. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but 
WWE has been a little bit better with their ratings this year as compared to last year. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, over the last several years, they've lost a ton of their audience and they certainly haven't been moving in the right direction. So, I mean, we we shall see, but things are getting real interesting. And even if you're not a ratings person, I just don't see how anyone can make the case that Raw or even SmackDown are good programs, (laughs) let alone better than Dynamite. They're just, I mean, they're just, they're, they're not, objectively yeah. bad shows. Yeah. I mean, think, you've got friends, right? Would you re- ever Sometimes. recommend a non-wrestling fan friend of yours to watch Monday Night Raw? Would you ever do that? No, because they would wonder why the hell you watch this shit. Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, that's the thing, you know? I mean, why would you, you know, ever tell somebody to watch Raw? And, I mean, that speaks volumes. Um, In terms of luring more potential WWE viewers. It's interesting. Justin, you and I were talking about this um, after the show in the hotel parking lot with that Brian Danielson promo. It's very interesting how he did not go after WWE at all. Uh, Adam Cole didn't either. Um, And this is something we could talk about later on too, um, you know, with their decisions and why they ultimately decided to move. But not knocking WWE on television, which I think a lot of people want them to do, mm-hmm. is probably smart in the long term in terms of, a, you know, again, potentially drawing those WWE loyalists away. Because if you just shit on the WWE, if you have all these guys come over and, you know, cut these promos, oh, that place sucked. And, you know, you know fuck Vince. There's a school of thought you're not going to make fans because you're like shitting on something that, people actually do like mm-hmm. right and people are going to become more resistant and dig their heels in and, and possibly not like it so i think it's actually pretty smart um whether or not that they actually did enjoy their time or not and i think they did uh daniel bright uh brian danielson i'm over three here and adam cole uh in terms <laughs> of not knocking their former employer yeah yeah I think and they the, enjoy uh... they, they did legitimately enjoy it there i think i, I believe them yeah so I think Alvarez tweeted this out, but the highest viewed segment on the show, no surprise, was the Elite with Brian Danielson. I think 1.5 million that quarter peaked at uh, last night. So, yeah, man. I mean, it's getting real tight with Raw. I'm, obviously, SmackDown is ahead. Uh, network television show, that's kind of their A show, too. But, I mean, for this company to be around for two years, barely two years, and to be competing with Monday Night Raw, the flagship, is pretty exciting for wrestling fans. Um, I, th- I feel like when I talk to people about this and I'm, I'm talking about AEW and I, I'm so excited about AEW that sometimes when I talk to people who are like such diehard WWE fans and they're so resistant to like watch AEW, I don't really get it. And there's this kind of like, we've talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, there's this tribal thing going on and you can almost like draw a line between people ha- who have watched pro wrestling post WCW only and people yes. that watch pro wrestling pre-2001 because you know for us growing up as wrestling fans in the 80s and 90s we would watch whatever the better program was yes we like might have preferred wwf or wcw i always was a wwf guy but you know what in 1996 when raw was freaking terrible i was watching nitro and in 97 when raw started to you know get better i started watching raw more again but i would watch the better program so you know to have the two competitive wrestling programs it's it's only going to benefit the fans so i don't get this mindset of you know, I'm loyal to I'm loyal to the WWE. It's just it's something that I feel like is ingrained in people because it's the only product they know. And 
I just can't relate to that. But I've seen I've seen that more and more. Like there was that tweet. Uh, you know, Mick Foley had that video. <laughs> I wanted to make fun of that. I had that in the notes. That was an <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I saw that in your notes. There was a there was a reply to the tweet of Mick Foley, and he was like, "Oh, paraphrasing here, but like, Mick, don't do this because we need you. WWE needs you right now. Like, dude, you don't work for WWE. <laughs> you know, like this is a fan talking. Mick was talking about how for young wrestlers, um, WWE is no longer maybe the goal anymore." You know, AEW is because of the product they're putting on and the creativity they let the performers have. So if you haven't <laughs> Here, been watching AEW and you listen to this podcast, which we've been talking more and more about AEW because it's simply put by far the better show right now and excitement level around the product. I mean, we, we can tell you from being at the event, it's not even close right now. There's something special happening and you guys should get on board if you're not watching Dynamite and Rampage. This was the exact tweet. Uh, the response to McFoley's comments on WWE not being a, a destination for younger performers now. Mick, been a fan for decades. This post breaks my heart. We need WWE legends more than ever right now to show their support for <laughs> WWE. Please don't cross the battle lines. We love you. Oh my God. Imagine tweeting that. I mean, I not to shit on this poor bastard, but like. You're right, Ryan. Like, I don't really identify with being loyal to Brandon. As you guys both know, that has perhaps left you scratching your heads at times. Um, I don't have, like, favorite sports teams. Yeah. I don't have favorite wrestlers, really. Like, I just like things that are good. And I'll go back and forth without shame. I don't care. And, like, I just prefer AEW right now, to your point. Um, so, if WWE got good... and, and we talked about this, Justin, on that show we, with tribalism. The reason we're rooting for AEW is because we want it to have an effect on WWE and to change WWE for the better. Exactly. Uh, like, that's the key. I, I think when you talk about dividing lines, Ryan, in the fan base, like, who are these WWE diehards? Are they people who just kind of became wrestling fans during the time period where WWE had the national monopoly. I, I'd say yes. And really, I think what we're seeing with the divided fan base is a referendum on WWE over the last 20 years, right? Like mm -hmm. there's people like us who, you know, have been bitching for 20 years about this product. Yeah. <laughs> and we're clearly desperate for something else to be good. And then there are people who actually, God bless them, it's what the last 20 years of WWE is what they know and they like it. So, well, that, and, and to think about it, they've grown up with never seen real competition to WWE. And I, I think uh, Ryan and I talked about this on the car ride home is that they've never really grown up with great storytelling like we mm -hmm. did with, you know, late 80s, early 90s, both WCW and WWF. And like you already said, it, it wasn't about choosing sides it was watching whichever one was better and you know it, it seemed like when uh one got better you know it in turn make the other one better yeah it's it's kind of like what we talk about a lot of times on the pay-per-view post shows when we harp on wwe pay-per-views great matches no storytelling and it, i feel like there has been a generation of fans that have grown up that like great matches, so they're like work rate fans, but they don't really care about storytelling because WWE doesn't give them storytelling and they never have. And so they don't really know what the product is like when the storytelling is great. You know, like we talk about, we love doing the Patreon shows 
Classics, uh, our bonus show, which we're going to be doing WWF one night only this month, by the way, patreon.com slash top rope nation, support the show, check out the link in the description. But one of the reasons we love going back to the eighties and nineties and reviewing those old shows is because the storytelling was so good. A lot of times, you know, and, um, that's, what's really been missing, you know, WWE, they haven't been forced to give us great storytelling because they haven't had any competition and we want them to have competition so that we get that storytelling again and we get exciting shows. And when we see AEW having these long drawn out stories, like what's been going on with hangman page now for almost two years, uh, that's what we love. We love professional wrestling. So obviously when we get a company run by a wrestling nerd like Tony Khan, who, if you listen to him on any podcast, obviously has an incredibly good understanding of the business and the history of the business. We were listening to the show, Kyle, in my car, and I turned to Justin and I said, this guy's like Kyle. I mean, he could like <laughs> throw out the most random stats about Mid-South wrestling, you know, from 1985. It's unbelievable. And it's not like it's just some rich guy getting in because he's looking to make a buck. This is a guy who loves the business. And I don't know mm-hmm. how you don't root for that. You know, it's so- really funny what you just said about WWE pay-per-views, Ryan. That it's the people that enjoy them. They're just in it for the matches and don't care about the storytelling. Well, isn't that ironic? Because what is WWE harped on for like it's entirety like the entirety of, oh it's not about matches and work rate it's about stories and vince yet, doesn't want to be a wrestling promoter the word yeah, is banned yet, right <laughs> no promotion tells worse stories than the wwe yeah, like their stories are that they're either they just either stop or you know just like are forgotten or no good i mean their stories stick and, and i think the matches are overrated personally i mean it, there was a time when you could get a really good match in a wwe pay-per-view i don't think that's happened in the last two to three years I haven't seen well, any match of the year candidates uh, uh, on the cock. Well, this and I think this is where we had we were talking about this in the in the Facebook group, and we might have talked it on about on the pod too. Like, this is where we kind of we disagreed a little bit on on the Rollins and Edge match. Like, I thought it was a really good match, but I also understand your point in that it's just like every other match; they all work yep. the same style. And this is why a match like Walter and Dragunov was so good because it was so different from what yes. you normally see, and then. Hey, those are the kinds of guys they're apparently not recruiting anymore. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's different. I mean, if you just like the WWE in-house style, yes, you'll give it a good rating. If you're someone like me and uniqueness and the story going in is a significant factor in rating the match, then it's going to come out kind of closer to average yeah. in that instance. Tim I, I know there's there's a match uh, with AEW on that pay-per-view that a lot of people. We're talking about you know just where it ranks Ryan all time. Oh, match, and yeah. yeah, we should we should get into that. I think right now. Real quick, I want to throw this out from the chat. Okay. Tim Tim talked about the famous uh, famous quote where Vince told Ted Turner, "Ted Ted, you're in the wrestling business. I'm in the entertainment business. I mean, it goes way back where Vince wanted to be in the entertainment business. But I mean, if you like professional wrestling." AEW is where it's at right now, and every single performer that has gone there has made a point to use the term wrestling. That's the biggest shot they've taken at WWE because all of these guys grew up, one and women grew up wanting to be wrestlers. And no matter what Vince McMahon wants to say about we're entertainment and how much he wants to distance himself from pro wrestling, he will always be the pro wrestling guy. So I don't understand this mindset of how he's he's he spent the last almost forty years 
trying to distance himself from the wrestling business, despite being the most famous wrestling promoter <laughs> in the world, so much so that he bans his talent for even saying the word. It's super bizarre. No but, one yeah. outside of WWE doesn't call it wrestling. I know. Like, my friend's like, oh, you still watching wrestling? Yeah, like, it's not, always like, oh, going to be that way. That? Like, you watch that sports entertainment still? <laughs> no one says that. What kind of fucking asshole would say something like that? <laughs> oh, let's, uh, let's talk about this this cage match, uh, Kyle, where it ranks historically. Because you know, we came out of the now arena just absolutely buzzing about the Bucks and Lucha Bros. And we were talking that night about where this thing ranks. Um, we compared it, you know, the ladder match they had two years earlier. Uh, both Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez have called it the best cage match of all time. And I know we've we've all been kind of thinking about that this week. So you wanted to make a point on that, Kyle. Well, yeah. Well, so, should, real real oh, quick, no, Justin, be you go ahead because I got to bring I, something up. I just thought it was interesting to point out when they said best cage match ever, it was not with the qualifier tag team steel cage match. No, yeah, it's overall. It's steel cage match, and that's it. Hell in a Cell. They talked about Hell in a Cells too when they discussed this. You wow, know, they did. Okay, because yeah, I heard. I can't remember if it was Meltzer. It was on the show Meltzer and Alvarez did, but someone they brought up, you know, uh, Sean and Taker, best Hell in a Cell match. But yeah, he was even with that. He said best cage match of okay. all time. So yeah, when we went live on the air, we had seen Alvarez already tweet that was the best tag team cage match ever. We were kind of scratching our heads there, thinking about yeah, what is the best tag team cage match ever? What is the standard bearer mm-hmm. in that category? And then I remember you guys tweeting the next day when you're driving home. My God, they just called it the best cage match period ever. Um, I'm, it's funny you brought up Sean and Taker. I'm going to say this right now. I don't think it was better than Sean and Taker. I'm not prepared to say that. I'm not. Uh, because it's how I rate matches. Like, I, I think, again, the storytelling in that and the effect. Like, look, I'm not like the biggest Kane fan, but like, you could not have debuted him any better. <laughs> Especially Shawn, today. Yeah, I mean, Shawn Michaels... Like character that time tweet, sorry. was an all-time favorite. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say it was better than Hell in a Cell. I, I just yeah. absolutely won't. Um, that that is an absolute. I don't go above five stars, as you know. That was a flat-out five-star match. I had it as the number two WWF match of the 1990s. Um, so that's interesting that they included Hell in a Cells. To me, the best standard WWF cage matches. This is non-Hell in a Cells. Would be Bret Owen at SummerSlam '94. And Matt Hardy versus Edge at Unforgiven 05. This was better than both of those. Mm-hmm. The Bucks and Bros. Uh, best tag match in cage history. All right. I was. There's no WWF slash E match that would compare. I, I don't know what the best tag match from that company in a cage ever was. I was thinking like Savage and Adonis versus Tito and Bruno. That's like maybe four stars if you really like that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could not really think. Believe it or not, the best tag match in a cage, I, a standard steel cage that I could come up with is from TNA. And that was turning point 04 with America's Most Wanted against Triple X when Elix Skipper ran the top mm-hmm. of the six sides. That was a yeah. big deal at the time. That was a flat-out, bona fide match-of-the-year candidate at the time. And it's one of the best matches in the history of that promotion. Bucks versus yeah. Bros is yeah. better than that. So yeah. it is. I, it, I don't think it's better than Michael's Taker and Hell in a Cell. I do think it is the best tag team cage match ever. I could not think of anything else. I was going back in time uh, 
Rock and Roll Express against the Andersons at a, at Starcade '86. No. Um, what about War Games? You bring uh, in War I mean, Games. that's interesting. I mean, that's a hard compare because that's like a different match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's it's that's not an apples to apples comparison. Even though, like, yeah, yeah. You, tag and single really isn't either. But I don't know if you want to bring War Games, and that's a whole different discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think certainly the build of Lucha Bros Young Bucks was as good as uh, Sergeant Slaughter Don Kernodal against Rick Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. If you want to go way back, or Brett Nolan. the, ma- the yeah. match that begat Starcade, uh, you know, in Greensboro in '83, Meltzer loves telling the story about the traffic jams. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a match, Bucks and Bros was better than that. I think. Have Have you rewatched it yet? What? No, I have not. Okay. I, I, but I, I, I'm comfortable. I'm thinking just on initial. Yeah, it could, it could, and that's the thing too. Like, um, you know, I, I, I could if I go back, I, but I'm comfortable saying it's not better than HBK Taker Hell. So I'm sorry, Michael Jackson, you're wrong. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, I just, I don't agree with that. Like, I'm somebody. You know, we'll see how things evolve from now. Like you just said, uh, Justin, have you watched it again? No, I haven't. We'll see how it is. You know, six months from now, does it have any long-lasting effect on anything? You know, have people moved on? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready I, to say this: Young Bucks are the best tag team in the history of professional wrestling. I will say that oh, this man. was the best tag team cage match ever, and I think the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the history of pro wrestling. Those two things, I am comfortable in saying right now. Wow, I would be comfortable saying that as well. I. I would really have to think because I have been going back and forth on this with the first Hell in a Cell, HBK and Taker, and this one. And uh, to me, that's the only one in the neighborhood. And something, you know, something about that match, just it being the first one ever, and that kind of makes it a little bit special too. I don't know, man. It's one A and one B. Those two, though, uh, t- to me, those two are above everything else. And I love Brett Owen in the cage. I mean, I've got the program on my office wall here. <laughs> You know, I love that SummerSlam 94 match, but I got to go with the Bucks and Lucha Bros too, man. I mean, this that match is incredible. As far as a standard cage, now keep in mind, here's another thing too with WWF slash E cage matches. So many of them were that shitty, you have to climb out rule, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. just took away from cage matches. That's not really yeah. like, you know, it's like like gym class rules. First guy over wins. You know, that's kind of yeah. yeah, agreed. So... Yeah, I mean, it, it's been the talking point this week. And, you know, obviously, this was a show full of highlights. That was the best match on the show. But, I mean, Punk was great in his return to the ring, too. I love the feel of that match. Um, the main event it. was very good. Cornette loved it. He, Yeah, he. I mean, he did not like Punk uh, or Bros and Bucks at all, which is, is, is predictable. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he was really doing a lot of verbal gymnastics to not oh. like it. But By the way, he loved um, the Punk Darby match. I mean, the great TJ Hawk, one of my favorite reviewers, he yeah. loved that as well. I mean, that was a definite four star match. I mean, it was dude. Worked. We got to we got to talk too because people. I mean, I saw it like the next day on Twitter the comparisons with the Brett and, and one two three kid match, and we were talking about it in the stands, me and yes. you. Like we turned to each other simultaneously right after they did the spot where we watched on the on the big screen when Punk did the oh okay when he when he got thrown down thing, and we we're like that's exactly like. The match with Brett and Kid in '94. So yeah, we noted that live, and other people have been talking about that. So it was kind of a an homage of to, to the match. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but 
yeah, it was just a great worked old school style match. Loved it. <laughs> Which is okay. Variety up and down. We the are park. nerds. You I'll, I'll take that. that on. Yeah, you want that, right? You don't want every match work the same. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, top to bottom, just just a great show. So should we move into this Vince McMahon topic, which is our our big topic today? Uh, just a couple other things. I okay. just I just wanted to throw a few things here. Okay. So um on Dynamite, we should mention Punk looks to be feuding with Team Taz. Yeah. Uh Danielson's going with the elite. And we're clearly headed for an Omega Danielson title match. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, what it could be. Maybe Full Gear. Have they announced where is Full Gear still going to be in St. Louis or is that off the table? Perhaps they have now? not announced. Announced. I have heard rumors of St. Paul being considered in the XL Energy Center. Oh, um, well, so join all of a sudden with his eyes, brows raised. I have heard that, and now Justin, that happens. It's a three-hour drive from us. We're going. I so. Not trying to like break news here, but I have heard I have heard that mentioned. Uh, so I mean I don't know. I think um, I think the arena used to be Scott Trade Center where the Blues play. I can't remember what it's called now. Downtown, the big arena in St. Louis. I believe I looked that up, and it is available the weekend that they moved the show to. But they have no, not Minnesota announced. Minnesota Wild sure. game. No, XL Energy Center in St. Paul is open as well. So I, both of those I believe oh. are open. So. Okay. Um, we'll the see, but they, and they have not announced it could be moved now since they moved the show a week. So, yeah. we'll see. and it's interesting. MJF works with Pillman. Um, that promo, I, I thought, I don't know if junior looked that great in that segment, but my God was MJF on fire. He came across almost like the best heel in the business. It's funny. You don't think MJF and Pillman is going to be a long-term program, right? Right. I know we said it's only eight weeks till full gear, but I don't know how long-term CM Punk and team Taz is could these be kind of things to heat them up and then you do CM Punk MJF because I know a lot of people say they want to see that particular matchup. That was a, a takeaway I had from Dynamite last night. And one last question I had about the all-out pay-per-view. And we mentioned this a little bit on our immediate reaction show, but it's going to blend nicely into our big topic for the day. Debuting Cole and Danielson in the same segment that was criticized by some on the pay-per-view i presume all three of us are still in agreement that was okay and made for a pretty uh you know wild end to a pay-per-view mm -hmm. i don't think anyone sees any issue with that anymore i i think you almost needed or ever the adam i think you needed the adam cole pop to kind of increase the brian danielson pop because you know like Obviously, all of us were excited when Adam Cole came out, but then there was that split second of like, oh, damn, that probably means no Brian Danielson. And mm -hmm. then he kicks Jungle Boy and it's back on the table and you get even more excited again. Yeah. Yeah. When, right when the turn happened, we then we were like, all right, yeah, yeah. Brian's coming I, out. I think there's a certain booking philosophy. People are wrong for thinking this, but I think they're guilty of being too married to the philosophy. You know, there's like, oh, well, people just forget about Adam Cole right away when you mm -hmm. debut another guy. But if you're watching the TV, that's just not the case. Like, you know, people were still talking about him debuting, you know, 24 to 48 hours after. And then you watch Dynamite. You know, had he just walked out with the rest of them when they were introduced? It, okay, maybe, you know, that Jim Cornette or whoever um, viewpoint would have held more water. But Cole was given his own intro on Dynamite. Mm -hmm. 
came out, cut a promo. Everyone's talking about, oh, I can see this guy be a leader, being the leader of the elite down the line. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think that dynamic, like when Omega does drop the title, that's a long-term storyline you oh, can yeah. play where there's a power play for the elite between Omega and Adam Cole. But everyone's like, this is a great promo. And mm-hmm. I loved the bit with Tony Schiavone. Oh, get out of the ring, nerd. <laughs> yeah, when he's telling him not to like, you know, uh, cozy up to Britt Baker anymore. I thought that, that was, was good. tremendous that was so good. stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny. And this is how I'm going to transition to our big topic for today, Ryan. You know, everyone's like, you know, Meltzer reported what he had been told Adam Cole had been proposed to stay with the main, what his role would have been. And it would have been more of a talking role. Okay. And it was like, oh, we should, you know, and some WWE people were like, oh, that would have been a great, why would he, what did he do on Dynamite? He talked. He mm-hmm. could still talk and he could be the wrestler he wants to be. You know, and he yeah. doesn't have to like, you know, he can look like more of a main event player than some chicken shit hiding behind Keith Lee, who should never be a heel anyway. <laughs> yeah. Dude, okay, so he goes out on Dynamite and I'm sure had the leeway to say basically whatever he would want. Whereas he moves up to SmackDown or Raw, it's all scripted for him. That's got to be refreshing just right there. And, you know, that's something, again... We're going to talk about guys moving and if Vince has lost the almightiest touch mm-hmm. and how people are realizing it. But, you know, Vince, even back in the 80s, obviously, when he would get guys from the territories and bring them in, he would want to put his own little Midas touch, sprinkle his little, you know, WWE fairy dust on everyone, right? Like Jake Roberts, you know, he got a snake. He's <sighs> Jake the snake. But yeah. You go back and watch Jake Roberts. He certainly had his own autonomy on how he worked matches, on the promos he cut, especially. It's not like he was just being handed uh, a promo and like, cut this, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to, to your point, Ryan, that's got to be really enticing for Adam Cole. It's like, hey, okay, yeah, I'm still going to talk in AEW. I can And I can say what I want and be the worker I want to be couple of things just came across the chat so first of all um i checked the calendars of the enterprise center in in st louis which was formerly the scott trade center home of the st louis blues it is open on november 13th then i looked at the excel energy center in st paul also open on november 13th and then aaron graham in our chat pointed out that the wikipedia page for full gear currently lists the target center in minneapolis as the home of the show i have not seen that confirmed anymore so that's interesting that that has been uh did we miss Put something? Uh, I'm looking. And when you Google AEW Full Gear, it still has it. It's Saturday, November 6th. So, I mean, that should tell you. But, yeah. it does. And then if you go to the Wikipedia page, he's right, though. It does say Target Center. Yeah. But the the notes on that do not link to a, a recent source. So, I don't I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, I'd heard Excel Energy Center, which is a, you know, a much nicer building than the Target Center. But, yeah. Uh, Man, I I don't know. You know, anyone can edit Wikipedia. I'm looking at the references, and I don't see a recent announcement. But who knows? Maybe something's come out while we're recording. But either way, you know, it it could be moved. It could be moved to the Twin Cities. That's what I had heard, too. So um, we shall see. Uh, Tim, really quickly before we transition to this, he wanted to know who had the biggest pop at All Out. And I've been thinking about that. And I I think I still got to go with Punk because the sing-along to his entrance was so cool. But, man... Adam Cole and Brian is right there. Both of those moments. I, I don't know if I can I can pick out one for sure. What would you guys say? 
I think I'm it has biased. to be one of those two. I'm biased because I've rewatched the Brian Danielson debut like an absurd yeah, amount of yeah. times this week. You know, I know Jim Ross had some full pause uh, during the pay-per-view telecast and um, wasn't, you know, great on, on Dynamite either necessarily. But I thought he did a great job with Brian Danielson's debut when he's like, for the love of God, it's Brian Danielson. I thought he came across great there. That's why you have Jay yeah. on the payroll. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, you know who doesn't have JR on the payroll anymore? Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And let's talk about this. This, about this, is the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is our topic for tonight. Um, so the golden touch, the Midas touch, Vince McMahon. He, you know, it's often been said over the years that, you know, Vince was such a great promoter and, and he could make anything work. And now that has been really been put to the test over the last 20 years or so. I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, we, we talked about this on the show before where they've really struggled to make any new stars in WWE for basically post Cena. You know, both of the the big stars that they've had over the last 10 years or so, the biggest stars, at least that the crowd got behind, uh, are now in AEW with uh, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. And both of those circumstances were willed by the fans, the hardcore audience that wanted to see those guys, you know, succeed. Uh, it wasn't a Vince McMahon creation. And so, like, Kyle, you brought this up as as the main show topic tonight. Has Vince McMahon lost the Midas touch? And, you know, go ahead and introduce this, and I'll give my thoughts, and, and Justin, you can chime in, too. Okay. So, I think we would all agree that he has. I think what I really want to harp on tonight is it's not just three yahoos drinking IPAs on a podcast saying this. It's very clear that those within the industry spanning multiple generations are realizing this. And I think that's what's key. It's one thing for, you know, us who are, you know, people say are biased and want AEW to succeed. Oh, of course you think Vince has lost the Midas touch. You guys have been bitching for 20 years about this product. But, you know, I'm connecting. I'm seeing a lot of stories over the last 72 hours. Sir Adam Cole leaving to go to AEW. The reports of Kevin Owens' contract being up in January and him almost certainly going to follow Adam Cole to AEW. The Mick Foley comments. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, I'm reading it. I'm like, you know, the common factor here is all these people are kind of just looking at Vince McMahon right now and saying, that's all you got? You know, Owens has been there for a while, so he maybe not so much. But let's talk about what Meltzer said the plan for Adam Cole was. Oof. Had he come up to the main roster, it was for Cole to be like a mouthpiece-type character with a heel-turned Keith Lee. And there are a lot of people like, no, that couldn't be the case. No way. Mel- Why would you still believe Meltzer? Well, look at the history of WWE. Do you know your history, people? Of the brand, of the brand, of the company that you love so much? You know, it kind of fits, right? Adam Cole is small in Vince McMahon's mm-hmm. mind. And that's probably how he sees him. Yeah. And if you're Adam Cole... I think Meltzer made this exact point where for word, he's like, oh yeah, he made the right decision. I mean, Cole, it, we've already talked about it. He's like, well, I can still talk in AEW. I can cut the promos I want to talk, not 
that I want to cut, not the promos they want me to cut, and I can have the matches I want to have. Instead of being molded in the image of Vince McMahon, which I'm not buying. Like, it's obviously Adam Cole sat and thought about it. He's like, no, I don't buy that. He Vince didn't sell me on doing that. And, you know, it goes beyond Adam Cole, really, when you look at this younger generation of talent, right? It's clear that this younger generation is just not buying the character or the persona that Vince McMahon is trying to sell them. And people can say whatever they want about the young generation, young talent, but it's Vince and Bruce's job to sell them. If they can't sell them, they are not doing their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing just for us to be like, yeah, this idea sucks. But if the talent doesn't buy into it, and if the creative team doesn't buy into what Vince is saying, oh, by the way, that's a trickle-down effect. Think about all these TVs. When Vince is telling the creative team, I want so-and-so to do this. And the creative team is like, what a fucking shitty idea this is. You think they're very convincing when they're telling the talent to do that? No. Well, going to AEW, he can wrestle in general. (laughs) He's not going to be a mouthpiece for Keith Lee. And I know some people are wondering, is that really true that Meltzer said that? I mean, it's entirely believable. I mean, that is kind of their track record with smaller guys. They've done it recently with with Leo Rush. They did it in the past with Scotty Flamingo, <laughs> Raven. Right? Yeah, he came, right, yeah, Johnny he Polo. Johnny, Johnny Polo, Polo, and he's a talker. He's a announcer. for WWE. Yeah, because yeah, he was too Manage small. the Quebecers. I mean, they have a track record of doing this, and it does seem like a lot, you know, like to offer a guy, you know, potentially a million dollars to make him a mouthpiece on the main roster, which... But, I mean, if you don't want to lose the guy and they're willing to pay it, they would. But if that, I mean, that just shows how tone deaf this promotion, or the not the promotion, the decision makers at the top, whether it was Vince or Bruce that pitched that. Because I think Meltzer said he heard two different stories on that. Either way, who in the, who in their right mind would pitch Adam Cole as a mouthpiece? You, you know Jesus. what they're saying to him? You know what they're saying to him? Oh, you could be like Sean, and he'd be like Diesel, right? Sean obviously- works, though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but like Sean had been an established worker before he yeah. had Diesel. It's And, you know, I saw some other people talk about, I think this is the one I want to harp on. When Roddy Piper was brought into the promotion in 84, he was brought in as a mouthpiece because the thought was he was too small. And mm-hmm. by 1984 standards, he was kind of small. Uh, but, A, it's not 1984 anymore, okay? And B, like, Adam Cole's good on the mic, but he's no Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And he's a much better worker than Roddy Piper ever was in ring. So, like, to me, like, doing that to, like, Adam Cole, yes, he's a good talker, but his strength and the strength of so many in this younger generation is in ring. So, mm-hmm. I just thought it was just a terrible idea. Um by Vince and I'm not and when you hear that you're just not surprised at all Adam Cole because it's a mid-card gimmick Justin right yeah yeah and th- you know that just goes to show how out of touch it is to th- for him to think that that is going to make him want to re-sign um, I think I'm sure part of his thinking is that why wouldn't they just want to be part of the main roster you know WrestleManias mm-hmm. and SummerSlams and Royal Rumbles you know mm-hmm. that's what he thinks the draw is but you know, that's not enough for guys anymore, you know, especially when they get close. No, yeah. What did Brian Danielson say a couple months ago after main eventing WrestleMania? I felt nothing. 
Yeah. I felt, I mean, here's Says a guy. It all right there. I mean, you give this guy a, 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 the last match on the second night of WrestleMania. Yeah, it didn't really mean much to me. I mean, <laughs> and, and he, by his, guy account, enjoyed wrestling. his time there. And he yeah. should have enjoyed his cut, right? I mean, he had a one of the great moments at WrestleMania yeah. 30. But mm-hmm. here's a guy, and this speaks volumes to what's going on in WWE right now. Daniel Bryan had no Ill, Ill will towards WWE or his time there. But he takes a look at a lay of the land and he sees what AEW is doing and he's like, yeah, I'd rather be there. <laughs> well, what, no matter what they're going to come up with uh, for me here in WWE, it's just, no, it's just, it's, it's no good. And again, he'd been around, you know, like a Kevin Owens for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just time to go. People used to leave. That's another thing with this generation of fans who are, you know, so loyal to WWE, I think they just kind of, I don't want to say they just don't get it, but maybe they just don't. (laughs) Like, people leave. That's just what you do. The idea of being in a promotion in the same place for six years is used to be insane. Justin, I know you and I threw up this uh, specific examples on this podcast years ago. Jake Roberts and Jim Duggan, okay? Uh, Legendary six-year runs in the WWF. Okay. Six years. Kevin Owens has surpassed the length of their runs in WWF. And at a time when you are overexposed more on television, I mean, what is there left for him to do? I mean, that's a little different than just saying, ah, Vince McMahon sucks. I mean, Owens should go. I mean, he's been a baby face. He's been a heel. He's been the universal champ. What is there left for him to do mm-hmm. in WWE? I mean, he should just go um, just to get a fresh coat of paint with the new booker. Yeah. So I mean that that that's not the same as Adam Cole. I made this point to my friend uh Joe, who's a friend of the pod, the other day we were talking about this and uh I said, you know, Randy Orton working the same promotion for almost 20 years, this would be like unheard of in the history of professional wrestling. You know, like it's good for guys to jump back and forth, keep some fresh. They used to do that in the territorial days. They used to do it WWF versus WCW. You know, you looked at a a Bret Hart, who seemed like a lifer in WWF at one time, and he was only there 13 years. Only 13 years, you know, compared to 20 years of, of Randy. And he wasn't on top for 13 years. So, I He's mean, a tag team guy? Four of, years but, as a top single, yeah. yeah. Guys, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, these guys really freshen up when they move from Raw to SmackDown or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has this AEW thing exposed that as complete manure or what? <laughs> absolutely i mean, I mean that that holds nothing and i, I want to say this by the way because i'm feeling a little froggy tonight i don't think a lot of people have reported this some may not even know it quite frankly when the brand you know by the way best wishes should go out to triple h today from all of us i think you know mm-hmm. obviously it sounds like a very serious situation but Meltzer didn't want to get into it on wrestling observer radio i i don't know what the situation is beyond what wb.com says but i do know this um with the brand split which i hate and people that listen to this podcast know it. When the brand split was first proposed in 2016, it was proposed by Triple H to bring it back. And his proposal is that he would get SmackDown and be in full control of that while Vince would have full control of Raw. And you'd have kind of competing visions. Triple H was trying to come into his own creatively with NXT and was doing a great job in 2016. He was the toast of the town mm-hmm. at that time. Well, Vince liked the brand split idea, but he didn't like the idea of giving SmackDown to Triple H. Mm. And, you know, that's the the thing with changing those um, 
brands. But it's still a Vince vision, no matter which show you're on. You know, so that that's just you know, moving to a different company is worlds different than switching brands within WWE. And one last gripe. Is there any shittier booking trope than when they job the guy out on the one brand because he's switching? <laughs> like, who the fuck thinks that's a good idea? If you think that's a good idea, you're stupid. You're a dumb <laughs> son of a bitch. And if Vince McMahon coming. thinks it's it good, coming. then Vince McMahon's a dumb son of a bitch. Drew McIntyre's obviously going to SmackDown, right? Yeah, I've talked about it before. I, I, so. I am 99.9% sure um, that Drew's heading to SmackDown. And so they're they're having him lose. That'll make him real over when he shows up. It's not like he's jobbing out on a territory where people who are fans of a different territory don't see that TV. This is not <laughs> 1980. Again, it's not 1984 anymore, guys. It's a guy before he goes to our other major yeah, before cable he, television yeah, show. Yeah, before we put him yeah. on our other TV show. Because <laughs> the SmackDown fans, they, they don't know what happens on Raw. What kind of cow shit is that? <laughs> so, so Kyle, this this whole thing about um, the the you know him be having the Midas touch and all this. I mean, I guess going up until the Attitude Era, you know, that was the general consensus. Is yes, is Vincent Manny brought the company back to a second boom period at the Attitude Era. And everyone's talk, you know, at that time was talking about Vince McMahon could do no wrong. We had had that boom period from what eighty five to ninety approximately. Uh, and and then what we had from '98 to about 2001, but and I I put this out in the Facebook group today. I just want to I wanted to raise the point: Did he ever have the Midas touch? Because if you look at Vince McMahon's track record, oh. and I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying one way or the other. Okay, he's obviously done some great stuff. WWE wouldn't be where they're at without it, no doubt about it. But to me, when you talk about someone having the Midas touch, this is someone who consistently makes stars. And when did Vince buy the WWWF, like 82, I believe, from his father, officially? Maybe it was late 82. It could have been, yeah, but yeah. Okay, so he's had the promotion now for 40 years. Mm -hmm. How many of those years could we consider, like, the business was really booming? Uh, Seven to eight years of the 40 years? Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, I mean, that's one point. The other point is, like, you don't have to have business a boom period to be successful, obviously. But you would you would expect, like, ebbs and flows where business gets hot, it, gets, it goes low, hot, low, whatever. This company, since 2001, and 2001 was where the downturn started, has mostly for the last 20 years been trending downwards. Um, there was a couple periods where ratings picked up, a little bit and live attendance too, but I'm, I'm mostly looking at ratings. I believe 05 and 06 and around 2009, they got a little bump to their yearly average rating. Little though, not like a massive increase like we like we saw in the uh, in the Attitude Era. You know, it was mostly flat and or declining and then it went up like a tiny bit and then it continued declining. So like if you have a person who's been in charge for the last 20 years and by and large, television numbers have declined consistently for 20 years like how do you say that that's that's half the time he's owned well, the company well the, the whole minus touch thing comes from like the second boom period right like his reputation was yeah. set after that because if you go back to like 2000 early 2001 and he's presided over two boom periods 
the majority of those years were during one of the two boom periods, right? Like I always talk about, like, it's so fascinating how that, you know, the nadir of the promotion in the mid nineties was such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. When you look back at it, right? Like I I remember, and I'm sure you guys do as well. You know, I'm still watching this product in the mid nineties. Like I'm like, God, is WWF going to ever get back to like where it was? And you're like, should I keep watching this? And you look back compared to today, like 20 years of decline, it was only like four years or five years you had to wait, Mm -hmm. you know, to get back to where you wanted it to be. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny because his reputation was just, you know, it was hurt by like the XFL, I think, hurt it a little bit. But within wrestling, you know, the belief, it it was set. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, oh, this guy's got the Midas touch. But, yeah, the last 20 years – there's not there's been way more misses than hits and again you know going back to this point of people from multiple generations kind of realizing this now that hey maybe this isn't the Vince McMahon that I grew up watching or grew up rooting for in the case of like the Adam Coles right mm-hmm. or, 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 or or pardon me grew up uh as a part of or not even grew up, just I wasn't like Mick Foley. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I, I got a lost there. Like Mick Foley, here's a guy who was a big time star in WWE. Like he, like he absolutely became a way bigger star due to his time period um, in the Attitude Area with WWF than he was as Cactus Jack. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, w- w- I mean, as much as we love Cactus Jack, he became a huge star in that second boom period. And I think it's tough for a guy like him. You could see him wrestling with it, pardon the pun, in his comments when he levels the criticism at the very generic WWE creative. But Mick's a smart guy and knows who's making those decisions. And I think he's like, man, is, is this like all Vince Scott? I mean, he brought up the Karrion Cross stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, what are you doing? And he's spot on to what we were talking about with Adam Cole. If these younger guys, they don't see it with Vince that come through yeah. the Indies. They're like, no, I don't want to do this, and you're not selling me on this. And again, that's up to Vince and Bruce to sell these guys. If you're not selling this talent on your vision, that's on you. It's not on the talent. Mm-hmm. I saw um, Adam in San Diego. He t- he said earlier, and we've we've... We've harped on Booker T on this podcast before about some bad takes. Booker T apparently uh, today mm-hmm. said he 100, 100% agreed with Mick Foley. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, in regards to these guys like Kevin Owens and Adam Cole leaving, you know, I'm sure they grew up. They're probably right around the same age as us, a little bit younger. But, you know, I'm sure they grew up seeing ECW in the Attitude Era and it's, you know, WWE with the PG era has just become much more of a cartoon, you know, in regards to carrying cross all of a sudden becoming, uh, you know, cross of demolition. They don't want any part of that. They, they want to go to the cool thing because that's what it was back in, you know, the mid nineties. Anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we can't keep saying that. It's like, you know, Look, we all love the 80s WWE. I, I'm on record. Like, I like if you want, like, my hottest take, like, in wrestling, like, if someone's, Kyle, what do you believe in wrestling that not enough people online believe? That 80s WWF is awesome. 
Like, mm-hmm. I love 80s WWF. But it also was a part of that time period. Yeah. Right? Like, that was the... Like, the 80s were a weird time, man. And you could do that in the 80s. But when did they get big again, this company? By doing the exact opposite of what they were doing in the 80s. <laughs> and, you know, with Bruce coming back, you know, that giving everyone a gimmick shit... It didn't work in the early 2000s. Remember that? Like in 2004, they would just give these guys that would come up from OVW these horrendous gimmicks. I heard Simon Dean about it. Yeah, <laughs> on his on, on his podcast. He's like, they give them these shitty gimmicks. And all my old OVW fans were like, why do they ruin our favorites when they go up there? And Cornette's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, can I, uh, you know, yeah, actually on that note with, with Bruce, I, I want to clarify something or not clarify something or just, just double back to it. When Bruce was brought back to the company and put in charge of creative, I made the point that maybe this could be good in the sense that Bruce knows what Vince wants, right? And that kind of the chain of command there will be less of an identity crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, Bruce is, he's not an idea guy and he's, he has no interest on selling Vince ideas that are good. He has an interest in selling Vince ideas that Vince will just like. And, and this he, is what WWE is going to be with yeah. Bruce having more power, man, that they're going back to what they know. They're going back to the eighties and the early 90s, everyone gets a character. And, you know, not to jump on our good buddy Andrew Zarian, he, he had, like, this thing with Karrion Cross. By the way, love sitting in front of Andrew at the show. Mm-hmm. What a guy. Him and his wife. Yeah. What people. I mean, what yeah. phenomenal human beings. But he had this thing with Karrion Cross. It's like, well, the edict is that everyone has to have a marketable gimmick. Well, what about Bray Action White? Figure. Yeah. yeah, for that. Well, what about Bray Wyatt? You just fucking 86 him. I mean, I didn't like <laughs> Bray Wyatt, but he's better than, you know, freaking SM meets, you know, the movie 300 or whatever the fuck you're doing with Carrying Cross. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of people checking in the chat right here. Let me throw some of these on the screen. Someone in our Facebook group. If you're posting from the Facebook group, it doesn't put your username. If you go to our Facebook page, it'll have your name. Um, but someone in the group said has there been a star or popular wrestler in the last 20 to 30 years that wasn't just being a turned up version of themselves what was the last gimmick that actually got over and was a draw with the crowds that's a very good question because people like reality i mean that's what got punk over has there been a star can you keep this on the screen right yeah has there been a star or popular wrestler that wasn't just i mean mankind that's 20 no, years No, he's ago. kind of, a, but like, it's like. That wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a turned up version of himself, though. Really, Mankind. That was definitely a character. Was Undertaker in the last 30 years? Yeah, I mean, you I know. guess. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get, like, Undertaker's like the most popular character. But yeah, I don't know, like, full, you're right. I mean, it wasn't like Mick Foley, but like, it kind of became a turned up no, version over of himself. Over time, yeah, went on. for sure. Like, yeah. like, when he first came in in 96, yeah, it was kind of like Vince's spin on Cactus Jack or something. But over time, I mean, the Mick Foley you saw on television was pretty damn close to Mick Foley the person or a turned mm-hmm. up version of it. Yeah, I mean, un- obviously, The Undertaker is not an undead. You know, Mark Calloway is not an undead <laughs> human being. 
So yeah, I mean that's that's but that's the exception, not the rule, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, for every Undertaker, there's you know, fucking ten Manitar whites. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, yeah, let let's uh okay. Ha, that guy disagreed with me. Yeah, on yeah. Face. So Whoever did mankind Facebook... turn into a star, or was it fully humanizing himself and endearing himself with the fans? I'm a big fan of Facebook users. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he did. He did good drawing against. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a, a main event angle or anything, but you know, like his original feud with the Undertaker was memorable. Uh, but I think he really turned a corner when he did the sit down with Jr. and Raw yes. in the summer of '97, and that eventually brought in Dude Love and everything. But he started telling the real Mick Foley story. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good point. So I mean, yeah, if you look at an actual like a character that was a draw. I mean, it's hard because I think people like reality in professional wrestling. Whenever you tread that line of reality, that's when someone does very good. So, yeah, it's a good point. So yeah, and I Shawn mean, Michaels. Yeah, Shawn Michaels was kind of. I mean, that was turned up version of himself. I yeah, would say. I mean, yeah, I mean, what's? I mean, let's be honest. The best Shawn Michaels is '97 Shawn Michaels. Just yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. like, hey, I'm a complete asshole. What if I was a complete asshole on television? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that worked. Well, let's talk about it. I wanted to get to these characters because when you look at Vince McMahon and if he ever had the Midas touch, you got to look at the stars he created, right? And so you go back to the 80s. I said in the group today, okay, you got to give him credit for Hogan. Now, Hogan already had become a star elsewhere in the AWA. He'd already been in Rocky Three, But Vince did have the foresight to say, this is the guy I want to go national with. So I yes. have to give him credit for that. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but then when you go to the second boom period, Obviously, the Austin thing, they ran with it, but it, w- it was they kind of stumbled into it. It wasn't like they took Steve Austin and said, this is the guy that we're going to build a company around. Like Austin got himself over by doing his own unscripted promo at King of the Ring 96. And eventually, yeah, he parlayed that into becoming the biggest star in the company. Now, Vince was smart enough to use the, mo- the outcome yeah. of Montreal to make himself the evil boss and that became the big draw and everything but they kind of in a in some ways they kind of lucked into steve austin mm-hmm. i'll give him credit on that but like he kind of lucked into it i mean john cena they were ready to fire this guy until stephanie heard him doing the freestyle rapping on that that uh i think in europe so they kind of mm-hmm. lucked into that too so i mean you look at the track record of vince mcmahon and him actually like picking a guy out of you know, the mid card or somebody who was just coming into the company and saying, I'm going to make this guy the top guy in the, in the, in the WWE, the WWF. There's not a great track record of that. You know, he's failed at that multiple times. So it's, it's people getting themselves over and him realizing, I mean, you give him credit for running with it. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. once 98 hit the WWE knew exactly what it needed to become to be. And it, and it executed perfectly over the course of that year. But when you talk about the attitude or that second boom period, there were a lot of people within the promotion there to push Vince strong voices, mm-hmm. right? Patterson. Um, you know, Patterson obviously is always, was the one constant God as he missed in this mm-hmm. company, someone who could cut through. Cause he wasn't a, I mean, you know, it's funny. He was, he played a stooge on TV, you know, like a, a Vince ass kisser, but Patterson was a guy who was not afraid to tell Vince, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, maybe Vince didn't necessarily want it here. And he could sell Vince. Pat is not Bruce. First of all, Pat had good ideas. 
okay, so that makes a difference for Bruce right away. Uh, Bruce is not a great idea, man, like we've said many times. Pat had great ideas, and he could kind of convince Vince. He could get Vince's ear and say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't your thing, but we need to go in this direction, right? And he's just, but Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, uh, you know, as much as we all don't like him, Vince Russo offered a very different perspective when he was with the company. And they were put, Vince, if left to his own devices, would not have come up with the Attitude Era. Like, he would not have, you know, it was Jim Ross assembling that roster of guys he was confident in, you know. Um, and, you know, Cornette had his things and Russo had his thing. But, like, there were a lot of people that Vince got it eventually to, you know, get it you know it was the famous phrase in that mm. super bowl commercial but it took him a while it took him a while to get it and you know back to my point with foley um you know jim ross and jim Cornette. you hear them on their podcasts and they'll always criticize the writers right because i think it's hard for them to come to grips because they worked hand in hand with vince when vince was still kind of good and they like look at wwe now and they're like oh well this you know does Vince suck now? I think it's hard for them to come to grips with that. I think Cornette's just starting to, if you listen to the last couple of weeks of his show. It's like, man, I, maybe Vince just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing anymore. <laughs> but when we talk about multiple generations kind of looking at Vince now and saying, who is this man now? Yeah. There you go. I mean, I, I, I think the older generations realize too. And for the record, Vince McMahon's 76 years old. We've said this before. Why would you have a you know a seventy six year old man running a business that is catered to an entertainment genre aimed at younger people? Just doesn't seem like a great dynamic. It's twenty seven years past the key demo. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was. A, I mean, so he's seventy six now. So in nineteen ninety seven, he was how old? Uh, 24 years ago, or is that right? 20, 20, 24 years ago. So he was 52. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, older than we are now, but it's not like, you know, you don't think of as 52 is like senile, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I hope not, man. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's that far away anymore. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I think it's well said, you know, is, is has he ever had the Midas touch? I don't know, man. I mean, it's up for debate. Debate. I'm not saying it one way or the other. I'm just saying he's had a lot of misses with characters. And when you look at the 40 years he's been in control, most of that time, it's been trending downwards. You know? So, yeah. Go ahead, Jesse. I, I think we know where Vince really went wrong. Where where the WWE really started going downhill. And it, it was when they stopped using different unique sets at pay-per-views <laughs> that was it that was the game changer it was the minute they got rid of the in your house set <laughs> yeah. got rid of that it's white incredible. house it was all downhill it, it's been there. all downhill since the sets but it's been the no. big talk in wrestling lately hasn't it? the sets yeah <laughs> some chat rooms yeah. um you know we should talk about the writing team though too because we've mentioned that before yeah. too about you know mm -hmm. it's not just the performers i, I think you know the raw and the SmackDown writing teams I think they're looking at Vince right now and saying, I'm not buying what you're saying, boss. And yeah. and those guys are in a tough spot, too. Because, 
you know, as much as everyone wants to say, you know, all oh, these are just Hollywood writers and whatnot. There's a lot of wrestling fans among those teams. Okay. I mean, I know you got Dana Warrior. She's pretty worthless. Okay. I can <laughs> tell you that right now. Okay. She doesn't, I mean, her next good idea will be the first. But <laughs> um, you've got some smart people on these writing teams. And, you know, you grow up a wrestling fan. This might be your dream job. What are you supposed to do? If you're making good money, you've got a family to provide for in some regards, whether it's a wife and kid or just like, you know, parents or whatever. Do you jump up and down screaming in these meetings? Oh my God, this is the worst fucking idea I've ever heard, Vince. Or do you just look at your toes and say, we'll let this one fail and hope we can move on. And more often than not, it's the second one. I can tell you this right now. The two shittiest finishes at SummerSlam 2021. I'm telling you right now on the record, okay? And those would be the Goldberg cannot continue because of his knee and Becky Lynch squashing Bianca. Those were both 100% unequivocally Vince McMahon calls that other people were kind of like, I don't really think this is good. Hmm. I'm telling you. And then they sit there and they're like, yep, that wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> Who could have so, predicted that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's tough. And I, I told you before, yeah. this, I, I broke out this spot. 2015 Royal Rumble. Vince McMahon was the one who's like, oh, this is going to be so great. It's going to get Roman over. And Jamie Noble was jumping up and down saying, this seems like a very bad idea. <laughs> and Vince McMahon, who does not apologize very often, was like, yeah, that was on me. That was bad. <laughs> but there's a, there's a trickle down effect uh, like i said vince he, is the, the if the creative team doesn't believe it they can't sell it to hmm. the performers and no one believes in what they're being told yeah 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 and then you have vince who either openly just despises the fans or thinks he knows better than they do as far as what they want he doesn't know what the modern audience wants. Mm-mm. I mean, the, the Adam Cole thing drives that home. Like, yep. he's stuck in an old mindset where, oh, this is, you know, this worked, you know, when I brought Roddy Piper in. Well, it's, it's just not, it's that's not what the modern fan base wants. Yeah. The modern, like, y- your fan base knows what Adam Cole brings to the table. There, you, you could argue in 84, your fan base may not have really known what Roddy Piper brought to the table. It's a different world. Well, it seems like anyone that still has the passion for professional wrestling that has the ability to leave is looking at leaving. Uh, Because everyone that's jumped ship has said that there's going to be more. (laughs) And we know that Kevin Owens is coming up. Does anyone know where Todd Grisham went to? Because this is one of the most incredible comments I've ever gotten in the chat. Where is Todd Grisham? I believe he's on ESPN, is he not? I think so. He's Um, stunk on SportsCenter too. God, he was one of the dirt worst people on SportsCenter. Kevin Owens, January 2022, I believe. His contract is up. Um, He has posted some hints that got people talking on Twitter where he seemed to be referencing AEW. Um, Guys, give me a percentage. With 100%, he's leaving to 0%, he's staying with WWE. Justin, how likely do you think it is that Kevin Owens becomes Kevin Steen and goes to AEW in January? 
if his contract is actually up January 22, I put it at like 90, 95%. The only thing, you know, he's a big family man. The only thing I could see him sticking around for is if he gets just a huge payday, you know, and a, and a big financial security for his family. But outside of that, I, he's another one of those guys who just seems to want to be creatively happy. He has seen his ceiling with this company, you know, the whole thing with WrestleMania 33, uh, losing the world title match and also Vince uh, losing the world title matches in, they took the belt off and put it on Goldberg uh, and let them feud over the U.S. title instead. Um, but, you know, they, him and Jericho had the hottest feud going and they were relegated to the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only that, but like this most recent past year, you know, losing over and over again to Roman Reigns, you know, there's nothing else he can do here. I know there's people in WWE that think Kevin Owens should be one of the three top baby faces in the company. And they're not he's wrong. Not, he, he's not going to be there. He, he's just not. Vince sees him in a ceiling. Um, very interesting that Justin referenced that WrestleMania 33 match. That was when Jericho decided to seek greener pastures. He's mm-hmm. like, this, you know, and, and for the record, they were going to Lesnar anyway. It didn't matter. Like, it, had they like had a universal title match at WrestleMania? Those two, Lesnar was getting the title. Um, I think Jericho's talked about this. That the plan was for Jericho to win the universal title from Owens originally, and he was going to get, you know, run over by Lesnar. But um, you know, to answer your question, Ryan, about percentage, I don't know, ninety nine. <laughs> I, I mean, I would be stunned if uh, Kevin Owens was on WrestleMania next year. Because, again, what is there for him to do? Yeah. I think he's out, too. I can't imagine he stays. And, and Someone I mean, asked me this recently, and I said 99%. He's gone. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's looking straight into the void of Adolf Ziggler career if he re- yeah. resigned. <laughs> I, I know for a fact there are people in WWE that were shocked Cesaro resigned. Mm-hmm. What shocked. Dumb move by him. And then you have him liking that, uh, that post <laughs> that Mick Foley had. Yeah. <laughs> What is What are you doing, man? He could have been out. Well, I mean, what he's just figuring. He's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to get pushed. Might as well like McFoley post bitching about this company. But I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. they used to dangle the care. Oh, we'll give you a push. Don't worry. Well, look at Cesaro. He wins one big match at WrestleMania, and then pff, back to right where back, you were. Yep. Which, by the way, I predicted on our WrestleMania post show. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I'll pat myself on the back. Um, you know, um. Yeah, and there's going to be more guys, too. I, I heard there's a lot of these contracts were redone. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kevin Owens is going to be the last guy to leave. And, no. um, you know, you look at some potential big names, the future, the guys who should be the future of this company, like a Big E. Keep your eye on this briefcase situation. Mm-hmm. If Big E does not have a brand built around him, He's going to bolt too. I'm telling you right now because he's sick of waiting at this point. I mean, there are people in that company saying, you know, I said that there's people who think Kevin Owens should be a top three baby face. Well, they, those people also think Big E should be among those top three as well. You say, you say to watch Big E, should we be watching Xavier Woods too, Kyle? I mean, yeah, I think Xavier Woods, I mean, you know, by the way, uh, the raw creative team, I believe confirmed wrestling observer newsletter readers 
because two weeks ago, Dave in his raw report was like, uh, in the newsletter was like, yeah, whatever happened to Xavier Woods beating Lashley that one time on TV? They've just completely dropped that. What did they bring up Monday on Raw? <laughs> they had Woods come out and cut a promo. Oh, hey, remember when I beat you that one time? Yeah, we forgot about that, but let's Yeah, let's and Lashley kind of had no answer, which Run is real bad. He wasn't even mad about it. He was like, uh. Like, I think he like, looked at MVP like, wait, what? That happened? But, um, yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people that leave it. I think it's going to be, you know, that younger generation who came up from the indies. They just, yeah. they're looking at Vince and they're like, we're not buying what you're selling. I mean, now some people are buying what he's selling. I'm sure Roman Reigns is happy with his lot in the WWE. I'm sure Lashley is happy with his lot in the WWE. Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Charlotte. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's the legacy people. Um, it's the people that they recruited from real sports. Yes. It's the people that didn't grow up fans. And the people at the very, very top of the card. Those are the people that are going to stay. But anyone that grew up a hardcore wrestling fan, that was a star on the indies, that is not in the upper like main event tier consistently, I don't know how any of them stay. Because yeah. you got to look at the AEW roster and think about the matches you could have and the creative freedom you can have. Oh, and by the way, the kind of cash you can make, I don't care what WWE is offering because there's so many outside opportunities, starting with pro wrestling tees. To make money, if you're an AEW, look at Punk, million dollars off of that shirt, the Ringer shirt that he just released. And that's one shirt. He's got multiple items in the top 10 from his own personal store, stuff that was there before he was with AEW that he's reaping all the profits off of. You know what? WWE gives you a couple hundred thousand dollars more. You can recoup that pretty quickly these days on the internet, whether it's Twitch you know the stuff WWE has been banning. That's going to come back to haunt them. That they told yes. these people they can't do Twitch, that they can't do the you know the the paid phone calls. The name is escaping me right now. That they can't do all of that. Uh, you, you got cameo. all that freedom. Yeah, cameo. You got all that freedom in AEW. You can make up that money, and, and you, you can less... have the creative freedom. It's way more professionally satisfying. Why would you not leave? Get less dates too. Yeah, they don't run yeah. house shows. Yep. Exactly. Um, and you, know, and like, you don't have to be left stranded in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. Ooh, which, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know I know Carl Anderson, a lot of people were talking, oh, this guy's just drunk rap, but you know, he has legitimate reasons to be upset about WWE. Um, you know, like it's you, you go back to people who are like maybe happy with their lot in life in WWE, because there are people for sure, like Outside of like the champions, like Alexa Bliss strikes me as like the only one who is being given like blatantly terrible creative and is trying to make it work. But she ought to be like ashamed of herself for trying to do that, right? I brought that up. It's like people are like, oh, she's trying her best, but it's like, but that shit is terrible. <laughs> like I kind of respect the more she's like, no, I'm not doing this. Uh, but whatever. She doesn't, yeah. I mean, she may not know any whatever, but um, you know, another thing to keep an eye on. If more people keep leaving, what are these networks going to think? Because I, I, I'm telling you, the networks were like, wait a minute. What, you don't care that CM Punk? You don't care that Brian Danielson just left your show to go to the competitor? We care about that. That doesn't seem good. And Andrew Zarian, you know, again, he's brought up some of the issues that WWE already has with its network partners. USA's pissed that Fox gets all the stars. And Fox is pissed that they have to promote Peacock. Mm -hmm. If these two networks, which aren't as dumb as Vince thinks they are, are like, why is everyone leaving you? 
they're going to be like, do you have the Midas touch anymore? And why are we giving you a billion dollars when that contract comes due? We're going to call your bluff. We're going to give you a lot less than that. That also needs to be driven home. So even if Dynamite doesn't beat Raw consistently in the demo or, you know, top it in overall viewers anytime soon, look at what USA is paying for Raw versus what TNT pays for Dynamite. It's what, I think eight to ten times more? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of cost-benefit analysis and value, TNT's get far better value. <laughs> Someone just checked in the chat with that. What network in their right mind will pay Vince the current fees when some t-shirt company is pulling one million eyes a week? No kidding. I mean, it's true. So, I mean, I obviously, AEW is more than a t-shirt company being sarcastic. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see, man. These TV rights fees, when they come up in a couple of years, it's going to be very, very, very interesting. Uh, we've had a ton of stuff going on in the chat tonight. I want to thank everyone for joining what us live. What a chat room. Tony I love the AEW, somebody says. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. I love doing these live shows, and it's been a while since we've done it live. More often than not, we'd like to go live, and hopefully we'll be doing more of that here in the weeks ahead. So stay tuned to the YouTube page. And if you're listening after the fact and you want to join us live, look us up on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash top rope nation. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you get alerted in your email every time we go live. Uh, but this has been really active. I think what we're going to have to do the next time we're live is just do a QA. We haven't done that in a while. Uh, take questions from the people in the chat room because there's just Ooh. no, we've already been at this for 90 minutes. So there's no way we can get to all of this. But uh, send us an email if you got a question. It's topropenation at gmail.com. And we'll do a Q&A segment. We used to do those like almost every other week. It's been a long time since we've yeah, done we one. Yeah, we should do that, yeah. So we'll do one here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, if you send it now, send your questions now. We'll save them. We'll get them involved in the show here in the weeks ahead. Um, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, check out the Patreon page. we got bonus content dropping there each and every week. It's the best way to support the show. Link in the podcast description, patreon.com slash Nation. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E, at T-R-P Kyle, at Justin Joint, J-O-Y-N-T. And the show is at Top Rope Nation. Check out the Pro Wrestling Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. All of us are on there each and every day talking pro wrestling with a few hundred people. It's a great time. Would love to have you join us. And uh, hey, man, I think that about covers it. We got to a lot tonight. We had a big agenda. And it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun catching up with you guys after a, after a great weekend in Chicago. Zombie Tim, dust much, was twelve bucks, Tim. Twelve Jensen. bucks. How much is beer at the show? Twelve dollars <laughs> for a zombie dust. But they had zombie dust on tap it. in the arena, which was yeah. pretty. I mean, pretty that's amazing. like standard. I mean, fuck, man. We were at that Brewers game. They weren't freaking giving you any deals at Am Fam Field. Yeah, a nice park, by the way. God, it is. It, yeah. I mean, I. I you know, when you, you've had a few beers, anything will taste good. But by God, was this cheeseburger good that I had there? I almost thought about. <laughs> hey, man, you're in Wisconsin. And, cheese, it makes sense. I almost thought about getting up and getting another one. Yeah. All right, boys. I think this has been a fun time. 91 minutes in. It's time to take it home. Hey, if you can do it, close the show with Unsettling Differences by uh, Blue Smock Nancy. <laughs> There's Ke- a request. Ke- Kevin Steen's old theme song yes. from ROH. It's a banger. I will put it I will put it on the podcast version. I can't put it on YouTube or they'll pull it or they'll, you know, do whatever. Copyright strike us. But on the podcast version, absolutely just enjoy. It. I love that. Thank you. All right guys, have a great weekend. We will catch you again 
real soon. Take care. This difference helps me cross the line